The U.S. military kills the head of a terrorist organization, and the left loses its mind. Iran flexes its muscles and shows off its influence in Canada. Ricky Gervais roasts the audience at the Golden Globes, and it's amazing. And Justin Trudeau is our part-time prime minister. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Hope you had a wonderful Christmas and a wonderful New Year celebration with your family and with your loved ones. We are excited to be back. We've got a new set here. And I think it looks pretty good. We've got a lot of news to get to, so let's jump right to it. Probably the biggest story that happened over the break and over the last weekend was a U.S. military drone strike in Iraq, which killed Qassam Soleimani, who is the head of the Quds Force, which is this, basically a terrorist organization within the Iranian military, which, by the way, has been designated a terrorist organization by the government of Canada since 2012, by the government of the United States since 2007. That's the individual Quds Force, which is basically in charge of waging covert operations and proxy wars throughout the Middle East and beyond. So the Quds Force has long been determined to be a terrorist organization. And then the broader organization, the IRGC, was just recently designated as a terrorist organization by the Trump administration. So no matter which way you look at it, this individual, Soleimani, was a terrorist. He was a head terrorist. His entire job, his entire existence within the Iranian regime has been to turn that wing of the military into what is essentially a terrorist organization. They do proxy wars, not, not even just proxy wars. Soleimani was present in Lebanon in 2006 during that siege, during the war between Israel and Lebanon. He was on the ground coordinating and instructing troops and basically just running the war. And he's done that in subsequent wars. They've used that blueprint over and over and over again from Afghanistan, Syria, Iraq, Soleimani was basically the main warmonger of the Middle East. And that's why it's so surprising to see the left all of a sudden. You know, this, this kind of always happens. Whenever there's a Republican in office, there's huge anti-war protests and anti-war movements all over the United States, all over North America. And then as soon as a Democrat comes into office, they all just disappear. They, they all just kind of like turn a blind eye when Barack Obama was doing the exact same stuff when he was doing um, drone strikes throughout Pakistan and Afghanistan that were not authorized by Congress. There were no protests. There was no war protests. Those all just kind of disappeared. But now that we have a Republican back in office, those resurface and they're back. Again, and I'm sympathetic to them. I don't want a war. I think war is a horrible thing. The last thing the United States wants to do is get wrapped up in another country's business. All that being said, it's not warmongering to wipe out the head of a terrorist organization. That is something that we should all celebrate when it happened with Osama bin Laden under Barack Obama when he authorized that strike in 2011, left and right, Democrats and Republicans all came together to celebrate the end, at least a symbolic end to that leadership under Al-Qaeda. We should feel the same way. So sure, Iranian government can replace Soleimani and put in a new general, but Soleimani has been leading that charge since the late 90s. He really has been the one that has put forth this strategy to push this covert war you know, Iran has imperialistic desires. They want to spread their their Shiite ideology across the Middle East. They want to be the sort of dominant hegemon in the region. They're kind of going back and forth against Saudi Arabia in a Cold War. And it really was Soleimani that was pushing that. So if, if you if you know Iranians, if you have Iranian friends, you, you probably noticed that they were excited. There was a lot of celebration. There was a lot of you know people just breathing a sigh of relief over the death of what was truly a wicked individual and a warmonger. But of course, because it's Donald Trump, when there's anything to do with Donald Trump, there's always a deranged response. So I'm going to go through some of the most deranged responses right here. But first, let's let's start by looking at what the Canadian government put out. The Canadian government 
released a statement. The statement from Foreign Minister, Minister Champagne, he says, Canada is in contact with our international partners. The safety and well-being of Canadians in Iraq and the region, including our troops and diplomats, is our paramount concern. That's fair. That's a good response. But this is the part that's concerning. We call on all sides to exercise restraint and pursue de-escalation. Our goal is and remains a united and stable Iraq. Canada has long been concerned by the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps Quds Force, led by Qassam Soleimani, whose aggressive actions have had a destabilizing effect in the region and beyond. So, okay, fine. They acknowledge that Soleimani is a warmonger, basically, but then they said they call on all sides to exercise restraint. This is the this is the weird liberal fixation on being the honest broker in foreign policy, that they never want to take a side, that they just kind of want to be in the middle between two sides. But here you have the United States, a Western liberal democracy and Canada's most important trade partner and ally, and a terrorist organization. And you're literally saying, we're calling on all sides to show restraints. Canada can't even take a moral stance when it comes between our top ally and a terrorist organization. They have to have this kind of wishy-washy approach. That, that's really just the least of our concerns. Look at Jagmeet Singh, the leader of the NDP. He got roasted on Twitter for what he said. He said, quote, the U.S.'s actions in Iran have brought us closer to another disastrous war in the Middle East. The prime minister needs to act quickly with other countries to de-escalate the situation and not be drawn into the path that President Trump is taking. First of all, the airstrike happened in Iraq, where the United States has authorization to be and has military authorization. So people saying that this wasn't authorized, well, the United States does have authorization to be in Iraq, which is where the strike took place. Jagmeet Singh didn't even get the country right. And again, this just shows what the approach of Soleimani was in Iran. You know, he's not just a guy sitting in a corner office in Iran. Iran's entire strategy is to have itself all over the Middle East and have its proxies and have its armies and have its generals all over the place because they are this imperialistic force in the Middle East. So, you know, the guy wasn't even in his own country. He was in Iraq, making him fair game for the United States. And Jagmeet Singh just gets his basic fact wrong. And then again, you know, not to be drawn into this situation, into the path that President Trump is taking us. What exactly is that? What exactly is the path? Trump wiped out a terrorist. Uh, we should be at least united and celebrating in that. But no, the left is deranged. And again, that's just the beginning. Colin Kaepernick, the washed up quarterback, the former San Francisco 49er who refused to stand for the national anthem. Well, this is what he had to say about the situation. There is nothing new about American terrorist attacks against black and brown people for the expansion of American imperialism. So again, for the woke intersectional left, this is all about race. They boil it down and, you know, make it seem like it's like, you know, a white U.S. president being mean and attacking and killing black and brown people in the Middle East, which is just so such a bad take. It's so far from the truth. First of all, Qassam Soleimani is not black or brown. He just isn't. And the fact that this is all for the expansion of American imperialism, no, no, quite the opposite. It is America stop, trying to stop Iranian imperialism and trying to encourage Iran to stay within its own parameters, stay within its own borders and not reach out. And that's, that's what this attack was. But don't expect a washed up quarterback who's just dying for the spotlight, dying for attention to understand that. And, and the deranged response, not just coming from the woke left and the far left, there's actually a sort of strain of the right, like the libertarian far right, that's really anti, anti-war, anti that's fine. You can be a libertarian anti-war, but they take this strange sort of deranged uh, understanding of Iran. They look at Saudi Arabia and they hate Saudi Arabia. They don't understand why the US has that alliance with Saudi Arabia. And because they don't like Saudi Arabia, the enemy of Saudi Arabia, which is Iran, 
must somehow be good. So we saw this back in the early sort of libertarian movement rise with Ron Paul, where he had this very distorted idea of Iran and he would kind of push lies about the regime. And here we have another uh, person that's doing that, Stefan Molyneux, who is sort of a right wing figure. He says, can you imagine living in a country that hadn't started a war since 1946? Iran. <laughs> I, this was just such a silly tweet that I didn't even know where to begin with it. But you have to have such a naive worldview to think that Iran hasn't started a war. Their entire strategy is doing these covert wars and doing these proxy attacks. And they had their fingerprints all over the Middle East, not just the Middle East, but beyond. They were part of a uh, they were part of a covert plan a couple of years ago. They hired a Mexican drug cartel to try to murder a Saudi Arabian ambassador in Washington, D.C. They were involved in the AMIA bombings in Buenos Aires in Argentina that killed scores of Jews at a Jewish community center. Iran is everywhere. They're part of so many wars. And so the idea that they hadn't started a war, sure, they, they don't do conventional war. That's fair. That's true. But, but instead, they have these terrorist proxies. So it's just such a naive, dumb take. And I just don't understand people who think that Iran is such a great country. Look, Iran is the foremost uh, state sponsor of terrorism. They also have an absolutely gruesome human rights record. They assassinate people left, right, and center, not just in their own country, but throughout Europe. They had a huge assassination campaign in the 90s. Uh, they lead the world in executions, including executing minors, executing gay men, executing religious minorities. They're just an absolute wicked country any way that you look at it. And so to sit in North America and look at Iran and try to paint this picture that somehow they're this harmonious, peaceful society is just incredibly naive. Pick up a book, read something about Iran before you want to spout out. Th this is the final point I'll touch on with this issue, but the way that the press has painted this issue is just really disturbing. So many, uh, so many parts of the mainstream media have just really thwarted, and this is kind of goes back to like, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, so they hate Trump. And then because Iran is like now an enemy of Trump, they think that somehow Iran is an ally. It's just really wrong. So this was a piece that appeared in the Globe and Mail. I know it's an Associated Press piece, but there's just so much about it that really just irks you as wrong. So the headline reads, who is Qassam Soleimani and why is he an icon in Iran? And the piece basically just goes through this very romantic kind of regime led perspective on this general and they paint him as this sort of martyr and this hero who fought against US interests and who stood up for the Islamist interests in Iran. For Iranians whose icons since the Islamic revolution have been stern-faced clergy, General Qassam Soleimani was a popular figure of national resistance in the face of four decades of US pressure. Soleimani survived the horror of Iran's long war in the 1980s with Iraq to take control of the Revolutionary Guard's elite Quds force responsible for the Islamic Republic's campaigns abroad. And then they basically just tell his life story, including like poetry that he was interested in. There's a couple of lines of poetry and they're kind of just painting Trump as this evil figure. And then somehow, you know, these the, these poor Iranians are just trying to fight back and, and, and have their own country, which is historically illiterate. The attention the West gave Soleimani only boosted his profile at home. 
He sat by Khomeini, which is the uh, supreme leader, the Ayatollah of Iran. He sat by Khomeini's side at key meetings. Polling data routinely showed that Soleimani rated more favorably than other public figures, according to the University of Maryland. That's sort of an odd figure. Uh, other public figures, what, in Iran or other public figures globally uh, within the Islamic Republic? It's not that hard to be a popular figure within a very hated regime full of mullahs and the sort of old Islamist uh, leaders that, that the country has really grown tired of. So that's like a weird data point. It goes on. Soleimani's greatest notoriety arose from the Syrian civil war and the rapid expansion of the Islamic State group. Iran, a major backer of Assad, sent Soleimani to Syria several times to lead attacks against ISIS and others opposing Assad's rule. While the U.S.-led coalition focused on airstrikes, several ground victories by Iraqi forces featured photographs of Soleimani leading them without a flak jacket. Soleimani has taught us that death is the beginning of life, not the end of life, one Iraqi militia commander said. So again, just a really kind of weird way to sort of eulogize someone who was a terrorist. Sure, he helped defeat ISIS, but in a lot of ways, he was the problem in Syria because he helped destabilize the entire country and lead to a prolonged civil war where hundreds of thousands of people were killed and millions of people were displaced because of his backing of Bashir al-Assad. So really just a distorted way of looking at it. Pretty disappointing that the Globe and Mail would run this kind of stuff and that Associated Press would put it out in the first place. Okay, final thing with Soleimani. On the Saturday night, the uh, a couple of Iranian organizations within Canada organized a protest outside the U.S. consulate in Toronto. So they basically planned a pro-regime protest. Some journalists were... Uh, concerned about it, so they talk about it on social media. And then there was a counter-protest uh, of Iranian sort of dissidents and freedom fighters who protest against that. The two sides clash. It wasn't just Toronto, though. In Edmonton, this is Edmonton Sun, an Edmonton Journal reporter, uh, tweeted out, at a small rally on the Alberta legislator grounds with about 20 Iranian Canadians showing their support of Qasem Soleimani. So basically you had these pro-regime Iranians setting up shop and creating vigils for this terrorist leader across the country. I find this really concerning just from an immigration standpoint. You think of people who would be fleeing Iran, which Iran is one of the world's greatest adversaries. They are one of the world's wickedest regimes. And when you flee that country and come to a free democratic society like Canada, presumably you would renounce that regime and you would be leaving that regime to get away from it. You wouldn't want to come to Canada and celebrate it. I mean, how would we feel if there were North Koreans who had fled North Korea, but then turned around and, you know, done celebrations for Kim Jong-un? That's basically the same. That's basically a parallel uh, with, with, with regards to these two regimes. So the fact that there are so many pro-regime people in Canada that are from Iran, it's concerning. I think that that's something that our immigration system should look at a little more thoroughly. If you are supportive of a very wicked terrorist regime that's an adversary of Canada, you probably shouldn't be, be permitted to immigrate and come to Canada. Okay, moving on. This was an exclusive over at TNC.news. Justin Trudeau's Costa Rica vacation entered its third week. So according to the Prime Minister's official itinerary, Justin Trudeau was in Costa Rica 
for personal reasons from December 20th, 2019, and he just returned this past weekend, which means that he was there for into its third week. This was the top story over at TNC.news. No one really knew what was going on with Prime Minister Trudeau. It really seems like this guy is a part-time Prime Minister. I mean, what kind of leader of a country is supposed to be leading the charge, leading the Canadian government, leading the country after a big election he just won, and the guy jets off to Costa Rica for personal reasons for almost three entire weeks. So according to his press secretary, he, she said the prime minister is enjoying personal time in Costa Rica with his family for the holidays. We saw a picture of Trudeau surfing with the president-elect of Uruguay. And then, of course, his infamous photo, which surfaced last week on Twitter, of the prime minister looking disheveled, standing in some kind of a bodega with what seems like bottles of alcohol, not looking his best. Well, he is now back in Canada. They posted another picture of him. And now everyone seems to be concerned or interested in whether or not Justin Trudeau has a beard in his facial hair. This is all just total nonsense. The kind of puff pieces that you expect from the mainstream media, which really don't care whether Trudeau is doing a good job as prime minister or not. No, no, he's just a, he's just a model. He's a poster boy. And they like talking about his personal appearance and what's going on. Uh, with him and his appearance. So again, pretty disappointing that the Prime Minister of Canada is pretty much just, you know, a pinup model and a part-time Prime Minister. And then just a final thing, I don't usually care at all about what's going on in Hollywood or any of these stupid award shows. I don't watch any of them. I'm not really even familiar with the people that they're featuring. But this was making the rounds on social media and I really enjoyed it. So the Golden Globes were held on Sunday night and Ricky Gervais was the host. He's the creator of The Office and he's a comedian. He's a really funny guy. And basically he roasted the entire audience. He said all the things that so many of us think. You know, you think of these award shows, you think of just a bunch of really ignorant, far left mo movie stars, actors who think that they're so important, who think that they're so smart that they want to get up on their podium and preach to us and they look down their nose at most people and they don't understand the day-to-day -day concerns of regular people. They really live in this isolated bubble of sort of far left groupthink and now you add the kind of woke left attitude on top of that and it's just so insufferable. And you know, that's why despite having all of the endorsements and all of the sort of Hollywood and pop stars and everyone endorsing Hillary Clinton in 2016, she's still lost and they've been moaning and groaning about it ever since. Well, Ricky Gervais kind of put them in their place and it was super amusing. So let's play part of that. If you do win an award tonight, don't use it as a, a platform to make a political speech, right? You're in no position to lecture the public about anything. You know nothing about the real world. Most of you spent less time in school than Greta Thunberg. So if you win, right? Come up, accept your little award, thank your agent and your god and <laughs> So good for each your face. I mean, it takes a lot of sort of courage to get up in front of like a room full of super powerful, super famous people and just tell it like it is and mock them and mock all of their sort of false idols like Greta Thunberg. I mean, despite what Ricky Gervais said, if you look at some of the speeches and some of the accepted speeches, they still just droned on about their stupid political opinions that they don't really know very much. They're not very informed, but they just feel the need to lecture everyone all the time. So, you know, we still heard a lot about climate change. We still heard a lot about how President Trump is a warmonger, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but, you know, good for Ricky Gervais for saying it like it is and saying what so many of us are thinking and what we're saying at home. Okay, I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you so much for tuning in and we will be back with another episode on Thursday.